Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome to episode three of Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Neil Grandy joins us today from Ottawa, Ontario. Neil is the drummer of Canadian death metal band Deformatory. Deformatory's third full-length album, called Inversion of the Unseen Horizon, drops on September 3rd, 2021. As this episode airs, the album will have been released, so be sure to check it out on Deformatory's Bandcamp and on YouTube. Neil, cool, man. thanks for coming thanks. on the show, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks very much for the opportunity. really appreciate it. Anytime. The first thing i got to ask is, uh, is that your back piece I saw on Instagram? No, uh, no, I actually, I don't have any tattoos, man. I mean, it's all Charlie who's got, uh, who's got all the tattoos, the whole back pieces, the, the, the symbol in the center, you know, fully shaded black. And then he's yeah. got various parts of all, all the album covers and everything all around to fill it in. It's, it's an unbelievable piece. It's crazy. I just yeah. saw the, the amount of, uh, like shading and line yeah, work yeah. and that thing. That yeah. must have taken forever. It, it took him several sessions to do. I mean, he would send photos of like the progress. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. I had no idea that he was going to like put something like that on, on, on his back. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, I made one thing to have like the, the symbol or something like that. But I mean, to do your whole back with like, you know, this crazy, like the, the symbol and then portions of the artwork, it turned out incredible. It, it's absolutely incredible to see in, in person. I'd like to see that for sure. And he's, uh, yeah. he's going to be posting heel pictures soon, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay, so um, now going back to your third album here, that's dropping on September third. Can you tell me about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, like we were kind of talking before we started. I mean, we've been working on that. I've uh, been working on it for like well over five years, you know. And it's funny, like even like in some of the videos we posted about the record, we even started writing it. Um, before we were even doing or finished really doing Malediction even, you know, from 2016, we were already writing and actually track two on the the new records, the first one we wrote. So we've been playing that for well over five years, you know, and and uh, we still love it and enjoy it. But like I said, yeah, we've been working on that record for well over five years. Um, we ended up, of course, we recorded it in Ottawa. Um, we did it with uh, Topan Dawes from Fuck the Facts, who produced the record. Uh, did a mind-blowingly incredible job. I mean, it was the most relaxed, incredible experience uh, working with him to record it, and the the finished product, I'll tell you, is something we are we are the most proud of. It it's it's exactly like we had what we had in our minds and the vision for the whole record, and it's it it, it just somebody took it out and actually produced the record that way we wanted it. So we're we're absolutely thrilled and really hope people dig it. So what was your writing process like for this album specifically? Like, uh, Tax on to um, a story from the other two albums. Well, yeah, it, it does. I mean, in, in the the con, the concept continues on, but in terms of the writing process, uh, we are not like a guitar pro band or or anything like that. Like Charlie does not, you know, work on fully developed uh, ideas at home and brings them into the rehearsal space or whatnot. I mean, everything is written through just simply him and I jamming. So he'll just, you know, like if we're, say we finish playing a song and he's just riffing, doing something, then I'll literally just start playing along with it. And then we'll jam on stuff like that for like 10 minutes and see where it goes. And then like, that's pretty much how songs get written or large portions of songs get written. And, and it just seems like you kind of, um, you change the tempo throughout the songs multiple times. Yeah, but that's just us jamming, you know. It's that that's what I like about the songs, you know. They're they're really they're they're emotional. They're in the moment, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if we're playing fast on something, well, it's because that's the emotion that we were feeling at that time or if we're doing something a bit more mid-paced or switch to something more mid-paced, it's it's because that's where him and I actually felt like just connection-wise playing, that's where the song would have went naturally. So that's why songs will write quicker, that they write themselves quickly that way. And and we both are learning and figure out the song at the same time. So I already know what basic drum parts I'm going to do for riffs. So songs come together very, very quickly. And um, that's really how, that's how this record was done. I mean, it's it's complete jams, just, you know, jams, then cell phone recording, listen back. You know, we like this whole section. We don't like this section. And then we basically kind of put it together. And that's that's how we write. We don't we don't preconceive anything. We do it all in the moment uh, when we're in the space. And how did you guys decide to go with your album cover? Uh, well, the cover, the the, the cover is a real interesting story. I mean, I, I'm sure you watched the the Paul Jarrett video on online that we shot with him. But um, we actually, you know, in in our infinite wisdom, because we were really pushing to, you know, to to really press to get moving with this record. But in like 20, 
I want, I think it's like 2017 or, or thereabouts. We, we had the idea of like, we're so into writing this record and doing this new record. Well, let's just get our work made. You know, we Ooh. had the whole concept. We wanted this like three panel fold out and like, we, we had the whole vision. The vision was set. And because of that, we then were like, well, we need our work then. I mean, you know, once we have our work, well, then we're totally committed to doing this. Exactly. So we we had Chris Cold. I don't know if you've ever heard of him as an artist, but he does some really neat. He's like a video game concept concept type artist and stuff like that. He does like really wicked work. Um, And so I really liked his work. So we actually commissioned a, a cover um from him and i don't know if you've ever seen any of the rig rundowns that we did uh several years ago um where you know charlie's talking about his gear and i go through my drum gear and and stuff like that so the whole the whole intro of that where you see like this this brownish type color with like a planet and stuff and there's this figure that's standing up well that was actually the original cover for the record and yeah so there's this whole ultra wide three panel fold out and and so we had that done and like it, it was cool like we really liked it but you know then you know it's like you're committing to something so early and and of course we still had much more material to write and everything but so around 2018 or thereabouts we're kind of like uh man i think i think we should do something different for the record and that's what we decided to do something different so we tried all kinds of different people ola larson we tried like just a bunch of different artists and and uh because of Charlie's, you know, love and I mean, say myself, I mean, you know, just really love for you know horror movie and, and various things like that. And especially with um, Charlie, had, you know, read the Scarlet Gospels and stuff like that. And with with whole Hellraiser thing. Well, I mean, it, it, you look at what Paul Gerard did in terms of like Hellraiser Origins and he did this whole movie trailer thing. He was yep. all involved in that and the, our concept. Like it, it just made a lot of sense to try and go with that guy. But we thought for sure we'd never get him. I mean, he's like a movie concept artist, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Like I know he did like a Machine Head album cover and stuff like that, but I mean, you know, like it's I know Machine are a death metal record, but they're certainly a much bigger band than us. So who are we to you know kind of write this guy out of nowhere and you know yeah. would he would he really do it? But um, it was cool. He was like between movies and like he was down. We had this crazy brief that multi like this multi page brief. I think it was like five pages or whatever that outlined the design of the album cover, and we sent it over, and he was down to do it. And um, I'll tell you, he absolutely blew us away with the cover. I mean, it, the, the, it looks fantastic. Oh, dude, the, the amount of detail in the cover is just it, it, I honestly I was speechless when I saw the, just the initial draft of what he had put together. Yeah. And also he and he worked so quickly. Right. And and I kind of left out a little bit of a, a part of the cover because we had we had worked with another artist and we went forward and had the person make a cover and the the problem was we will we would make a suggestion you know well what about you know adding this or or doing this to the cover and the guy's like yeah that's cool but i'm going to do something totally different and so then he would go off and not listen to anything that we asked him to do and then we're like well okay okay we're going to trust the guy's process and okay let's be open to some new concepts and stuff like that and Oh man, I'll tell you, we got, we got this cover and like, it would, it would be great maybe for like, say like a, like a thrash band or like a, maybe, maybe a more heavy metal band or something like that, but not, not anywhere near the brief that we had provided the, the, the sort of sketch that we had provided the elements that we wanted included on the cover. None, none of it existed at all. So, so that, yeah, um, it made no (laughs) sense, man, at all. Like I said, it, it made no sense. So we uh, anyway we scrapped that and that's why we ultimately reached out to Paul and um, like I say he did a he did a mind blowing job he did the job extremely quick he listened to every single ounce of input that we wanted into the cover and like even the even like the the, the symbol that's on this like spear thing that that the guy's holding on the cover right yeah I mean that that was like a last minute addition because originally the guy's hands were just kind of out and and we were like well how can we incorporate the symbol under the cover. And and I remember I was away on vacation, like with with my family. Like we were in like a water park, and yeah. and and Charlie and I were going back and forth, like on Facebook uh, Messenger, like just talking about the cover. And Paul was sending our, like pieces for us to review, and like it was like, oh, what do you think of this? And it's like, oh my god, that's so cool. Like, what about adding this? And then like within like thirty minutes, we get another update, like with the stuff, and it was done. And it was like, oh my god, that's so cool. So anyway, so we suggest this symbol, and and I, I I'm not kidding. I mean, like within thirty minutes. He had this 
this thing in the guy's hand that looks like sections of a uh, of your spine. You know what I mean? With the symbol all done yeah. in bone. And it was like 30 minutes. Like, and I was just blown away. It's like photo, photo realistic looking. But um, anyway, the guy was phenomenal. He did, he did the most incredible job. He was so professional to work with. I, I can't recommend him enough. And um, we were just blown away with the cover. And you reached out to him because of his work with Hellraiser? Absolutely, yeah. Nice. And did, yep. do you think that, uh, I guess, your guys' inspiration from Hellraiser, do you think that was kind of a motivating factor for him too? Um, I, I don't know if it was p- like the pure motivation. I think he was just really interested in in the brief. I mean, if you look at kind of what we had talked to him uh, about, he, he seemed really down with the brief and the concept, yeah. you know, that we were looking to do. And and I think it was just pure luck, you know, because he was between movies and he actually had a window of time to be able to do it. And um, so it just it helped kind of fill a void for him. But I mean, it, it really it really helped for us to get the final piece that we really wanted. We yeah. were really ha- at that point, we were happy with like the songwriting that we had. We thought the songs were incredibly strong, um, but we needed a cover. You know, what I mean, like you, you got to you got to have something that you can really wrap it all up in you know, and, and that just yeah. represents it. And, and we didn't quite have what we, what we, you know, felt was strong enough un, until we really worked with Paul and that final piece that he, he came up with, man, just, it floored us. It blew us away. It does look really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, we're, we're so happy with it. It's absolutely chaotic too. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll tell you, there's so much detail, man. You, you pan around that and you look at like the whole ground element below the guy there's so much detail, you know, just put into that. And um, like, I'll tell you when I was doing like all the CD layout and the record layout and everything, I mean, cause I'm using the full high res version of it, zoom it in. I mean, there's so much detail. It's just crazy, man. That's awesome. Yep. Um, so you already have one rock star on board with, uh, with your, with Paul there. So how did you get Christoph Spazdell on board with your logo? Uh, oh, well, that was a long time ago. I mean, I, I, I drew, oh man, when we changed the band name from To All Masak, which I, I can't believe I kind of somewhat pronounced it properly. But um, when we changed that to Deformatory, I mean, we needed a logo. And I kind of put together this this logo uh, from like, a, I think it was like a French death metal band. I, I heavily borrowed the stylization and placement of the letters. And then I'll be honest, I was like, does everybody kind of dig it? And I mean, Christoph's the guy, I mean, you know, for logos, I mean, we loved it. I mean, the guitar player, one of the guitar players at the time, and he's got the book, the Lord of Logos book and, and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, his work's phenomenal. I mean, plus he did Emperor's logos. So, I mean, you can't get, you know, much better than that. So yeah, exactly. uh, honestly, I did, <laughs> honestly, I just emailed him and I was like, Hey dude, man, we want to do a logo. You know, here's an idea of what we had. And like within no time, I mean, he sent uh, copies of sketches out of his, like, I think he used almost like a moleskin blank moleskin type of book yep. in order to draw in. And literally the center line in the book is the center line of the logo. And then he just drew out from there and that's what he sent us scanned versions of. And we were like, dude, it's phenomenal. And then he just inked it and sent it to us. That's and that cool. was the original logo, but you can tell it's the original because the Y looks like a, it almost looks like a V. Yeah, uh, a real wide V, and that I think that's the only thing that I didn't like about that logo. And then when we were doing Malediction, Charlie Charlie had the logo updated, you know, redesigned the letters, thickened mm-hmm. more, put more decay in it, and and we really really fixed the Y. And you know that work that Charlie did on that is is it's awesome. I mean, it's it's the logo; it'll never change. And that definitely matches your style of music a lot more. I think so. I think you're right, man. I mean, like I said, I mean, I was happy with the the original logo. Don't get me wrong. And Christoph did incredible, incredible work. Yeah. But it it needed some tweaking. You know, what I provided was more a guide. And actually, yeah. if you watch the the video we put up where we talk about the band change, the, there are all screenshots of all the the original uh, concept logo that I put together. That's there, and you see the V in the Y, and it it was really just meant to kind of be it needs to be a large y on the end but anyway yeah. it is what it is the guy did a phenomenal job but the redraw is really what what sold it and now everything is a perfect package for your next oh year, man so I, I think so <laughs> i think so you know and, and same thing with the symbol i mean when we brought that on on with malediction as well i mean you know we, we've used it much more strategically throughout the, the new record so i mean we're obviously really happy with with uh with, with the symbol as well but again it's style um it's decay and all of that really i think matches the logo as well so it works really yeah. well together so you had a lot of this uh 
written and completed before 2018? Did everything kind of get... Oh, no, 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 not, written, no not written before 2018. We were still okay. writing the music, right? Like I say, it took a long time okay. to, to, to really write. I think it took about four years. I want to say three and a half to four years to really write the music. And then, I mean, technically, I did do drums for the record actually in August of 2019, if you can believe it, is when okay. I did my is when I did my drum parts. So we were we were still tweaking, you know, and and making sure that we were fully satisfied. Yeah. But um. But yeah, it took it took like I said, it probably took from 2015 to 2019. Yeah, so roughly four years or so in order to really write the music to where we were fully okay. satisfied. Yep. Fair enough. So did COVID end up delaying the release of your album? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, because we went through 2020, you know what I mean? And um, mm. it just took a took a while for us to, I guess, just get it moving. You know, actually, in, in this case, you know, we needed to write lyrics and stuff like that. And we any of the pre-production stuff that we did in the room, we were more just trying to see, are we happy with the songs and the structure and how they play and things like that. But we, we didn't spend a lot of time uh, up front with respect to writing lyrics and melody and where vocals are going to be doubled and, yeah. and a lot of that stuff, you know, and I mean, that's, that's all Charlie who, who did all, all of that work, but, but all of that work needed to be done, you know? So, um, but like I said, working with Topon, I mean, the process was, it, it was relaxed, you know? And I think, I think we, we we weren't pushing, but also he wasn't pushing. He was going at whatever pace we wanted to go. Um, so I mean, ultimately the record took I want to say about a year and a half, but it was definitely COVID that that definitely interrupted us in in yeah. the overall process. I think it's important too not to have that outside pressure of somebody getting on your back. Release this. Let's get it out now. At least if yeah. you have that freedom, you can yeah, make it the sure. best music possible, right? For sure. And I mean, this, this record's done independently. I mean, we were on CDN, but uh, you know, th this one we've done independent ourselves because we, again, you know, we had a specific vision that we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, the package, uh, I mean, the original package was actually going to be like, you know, that multi-part uh, documentary and the videos and all of that. I mean, that was originally going to come as like a DVD in, in, in the CD package. So it was going to be, you know, DVD one side, CD on the other with like a three panel full. It was all this crazy, crazy idea. Yeah. And we kind of dropped the DVD because I mean, it's, you know, it's 2020 when we dropped it and, you know, it's 2021 now. I mean, I don't even know if people are buying DVDs anymore. So, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, maybe it was just a waste of money to press it. But um, I mean, like I said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 45 and I still buy CDs and yeah. I, I still like the experience of, removing the shrink wrap and opening the package up and seeing the artwork and reading the lyrics and reading the liner notes. Like I, I still like that because somebody put time and effort and thought into all of those nuances of the yeah. record. And, and it's part of the experience of, of consuming it and enjoying it. So I, I, you know, that's why this one, I'm so happy that we were able to do the package and put out the product that we wanted to. Yep. Um, Paul Gerard said during his interview with you guys that uh, one yep. of the things he enjoys is looking at album covers for quite some time. Yeah. So he yeah. mentioned uh, Iron Maiden somewhere in time. Yeah. yeah. Are there any album covers that uh, stick out for you? Uh, well, so, I mean, somewhere in time does. I mean, actually, I, I um, as a kid, I actually I still have all them. Uh, me and a friend of mine, we we were huge Iron Maiden poster collectors. So I have a massive, massive Iron Maiden poster collection. You know, I um. Uh, original Power Slave, like from like eighty three ish, eighty four ish time frame, nice. uh, somewhere in time from like eighty six. Like I have all these posters, so I've looked at them, grew up with them as a kid, you know. Yeah. Um. So for me, yeah, when he mentioned um, uh, Derek Riggs with respect to that cover, I mean, it, it's it's iconic, and I agree. The more you look at it, the more details you find, the little nuances you find, and yeah. that's kind of what I like about about the cover that we have. You know, there's there's some of those ideas I think built into it where. The more you look, the more you find, you know, hey, there's people making up the ground on the bottom. Oh, there's a charred hand here. There's a guy impaled over there. I mean, I know it's not <laughs> Iron Maiden, but you still find more things, you know, as the more you look on the cover. So um, it stands out. Um, I mean, for me growing up, I mean, I grew up, I guess, in what you would consider kind of the, the golden age of death metal, right? So for me, like the Bluster of the Sick cover and... And, um, I, I mean, for me, human was, was mind blowing. It was life changing to me when I heard human, um, effigy of the forgotten was, I mean, none so vile was life changing for me. I mean, like there's just so, so many records. I mean, uh, retribution, you know, from love and creation was also huge for me. Yeah. Uh, so many, you know, like just so many covers, so many, so much, so much good music. So what propelled you into death metal then? 
Um, well, I mean, I start when I started playing drums, I mean, honestly, it was kind of the, you know, I mean, it was around 87 when I started getting interested in playing drums. And for me, it was Tommy Lee and Molly crew at that kind of time. And I mean, I had been listening to Molly crew from like 80, like 83, to be honest with you, even when I yeah. went to daycare as a kid. Um, but no, I mean, Molly crew was like the, the big thing that kind of started with me. And then honestly, it's when I got, uh, justice for all on vinyl, which actually I still have um from from 88 you know and and that 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 was it that's what did it i mean that's what got me started playing drums and um yeah i mean i i just uh it just kept going for me you know like lars in at that time was you know was kind of my thing and then then it grew into slayer you know and what lombardo was doing and then lombardo was like the guy who was my favorite drummer at the time and then a guy from high school uh, i'll never forget it you know i got a mixtape not a mixtape, sorry. I got a tape that had Bluster the Sick on one side and Effigy the Forgotten on the other side. And for me, you know, I'm thinking like Angel of Death and War Ensemble and Born of Fire and like all these tracks. Yeah. Like that's the fastest shit out there, you know, like not nothing, nothing's faster than that. Are you kidding, man? Are you, you go those first few seconds of Effigy of the Forgotten? I mean, yeah. holy shit, it, it, it floored me. Like, I've never heard anything like it. And then Buster the Sick on the other side. I mean, my God, I had I had I had no idea that you could do anything like that musically, drum wise. It, it, it again, it just it blew me away, you know. And then, and then like so, so that was it. That's what really made the transition was. It was more the the the, the technical aspect of like how are you doing it, you know, and 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 be able to to have that stamina to play that speed and to do that double bass and things like that. And that's that's what really interests me um and then you know and then in 91 i mean i remember the at remember when they used to do these like tape compilations yep. so they had like at death's door 2 and and that one had the stench of paradise burning which was the but the demo version of what disincarnate were doing at the time with james murphy okay but also also on that one it had euboric forms by cynic but it was the demo version of it so it's the good version and then that's when i had heard it and then when yep. i had heard that death we're going to take um, two guys from Cynic in order to do a record. It was like, my God, I, I got to check this out. And I'll never forget the video for Lock of Comprehension. Now, I know it's not Blast or, or, or whatnot, but what Sean Reinhardt did for Death Metal Drumming, uh, to me, to me, no one no one will ever do. I mean, he, he brought artistry. He brought emotion. He brought he brought but feel the technicality that's not not about pure speed i mean it's it's nuance and and he brought all of that with blistering double bass incredible fills like like just all of this stuff he propelled that to an art to a true art form not not just pure speed and and to me like that totally changed my life like what what sean did on human and um i mean if you can put in that kind of artistry into it i mean why i want to continue to do that you know and and even to this day you know if i'm doing something that's more melodic feel fill wise even if i'm hitting a splash symbol and i'm and people are probably gonna get tired because so many people i know i've told this story to if i'm hitting a splash symbol even to this day i am trying to replicate the feel of sean reinhardt doing that because cool. human to me it, it was just such a life-changing moment and I have a couple of them, you know, because for me, human was it for the longest time. I mean, also all the blast and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, yeah, you know, and, and, and that's what kind of brought the the trying to, to have be be technical, but but with feel and that that really changed my life. And then, of course, you know, the, the next time my drumming, I, I guess I don't know if you want to call it career, but my experience drumming really was then blown away, of course, was when I heard none so vile. Yep. And and what Flo is doing on Unsavile, I mean, man, oh man, I mean, no no one was doing the the that level of just pure aggression, you know, a pure hatred, you know, just yep. playing so 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 fast because, again, like Morbid Angels fast, um, Suffocation are fast, like there's all kinds, of, you know, more uh, Loveland Creation, yeah, they're fast, lots of lots of fast bands and and all that stuff. But Nunsaval really, really took it up. It had a different feel. Again, it it brought those more. I don't want to use the word like slammy riffs, you know, but it had like the even the slow stuff. You wanted to like just punch people, hit people, you know. It was just <laughs> it was just so aggressive, you know. Even at even at mid paced, yeah. And um, that 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 just blew me away. And then and then of course after that, the only other time I was absolutely blown away record-wise was when I heard the second origin record 
And, you know, what John Longstreet did on that record with Gravity Blast and Gravity Blast blew me away as much as like what what Sean was doing on 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 human. You know, I I mean, how can how can you do like like two two fifty, you know, we'll say two fifty bomb blast. Well, yeah. nothing can be nothing can be faster than that. And then somebody whips out Gravity Blast, you know, so like not only now are, are you doing double kick that fast, but you're getting a, a snare hit on every single bass drum hit. You know, and, and to me, like, that, again, just blew me away. So it's a whole other set of techniques, you know, to learn and, and to figure out. And, and I still work on it to this day. So anyway, I'm sorry. That's my long-winded my no, that's long-winded great. way of talking about kind of my uh, bit of my history for drumming. But No, that's perfect. From somebody who doesn't play instruments, I don't get yeah. a lot of this. Um, okay, one cool. question I do have for you. Yeah. Um, during your kit run-through, you had a symbol with a bunch of holes in it. What's that from? Oh, uh, it's an, it's yeah, the ozone symbol. Yeah. So it's done by Sabian. It gives it a bit of a trashy sound, right? Okay. Uh, you know, so it's not quite like a, it's not a China symbol and it's not a regular crash. It, 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 it it's kind of a mixture of both. And it's a okay. great symbol for like, if you're doing gravity blast, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's the perfect symbol to, to do gravity on. So um, yeah, no, it, it's a great China symbol. I love it. It's an expensive symbol. I try not, so I try not to beat the crap out of it because <laughs> i don't want to split because i don't want to split the symbol right because i mean they're they're bloody expensive exactly so. um yeah that's crazy your your yep. kit looks intense man i don't know how you how you can keep track of all that uh just i don't know man it's just years of building it slowly over time you know that's true did you uh teach yourself or did you go to class well, well i, I took i i took lessons when i was in high school and for yeah, a little bit of university. So I mean, I took. I, well, I sh- sorry, sorry. Uh, forgive me that. I actually I took lessons when I was in um, age myself quite a bit there. I took I, I took lessons actually when I was in junior high because I actually started playing drums when I was like thirteen. So I was still like in junior high. Okay. And then yeah, so basically it was through junior high and high school I took drum lessons, and then when I went to university, I just I didn't have any time. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You seem to be doing pretty well with it. Uh. I don't know about that. I just, Hey man, I just have fun with it. Um, I just have fun. Cause if I, if I try to, it's like golf, right. You know, yeah. not, not that I play golf very often, but I mean, to me, it's a perfect example. You know, you, you, you go and play golf and if you take it too seriously, you know, then you're smashing clubs and, and you're throwing everything. Cause you know, you're frustrated cause you're not hitting the ball perfectly straight and you're not driving that ball like 300 yards. Yeah. So if, if I took it too seriously, I think I would, throw my kid all over the room and probably set it on fire because you watch what some of these guys are doing today with like swivel technique and, and stuff like that, you know, like they're the guys doing like, you know, 300 in their sleep. You, you, you know, you watch what Ken Berdine does with like playing in Crocs live doing 280 and like 300 wearing a pair of Crocs, you know, and and that's a beautiful lesson in that it's really about the technique. It's not about the footwear and that's beautiful, but unfortunately, and, and this is where I kick myself, and it's one of the few regrets I've got in life, is I didn't spend enough time practicing properly, you know, and and okay. and, and and that's something that I really wish that I had it done. And, you know, if, if there is somebody who's younger who's learning to play, I mean, that's really one of the things that I, I say, you know, either to their parents, like if they're a friend of ours, because we, we have some uh, friends of ours who, who their son is really interested in playing drums. And I'm like, look. Yep if you're going to have a kid play drums and, and music is a, is, is a, it's a beautiful hobby for somebody to have because it provides focus, you know, it, it, it keeps them in a place where you, you know what they're doing, you know what they're working on. Um, but I think it really just, you know, provides focus and you can see progress and you can be proud of that of yourself. And, yeah. and so I, I think that all, all of that's good, but I got to say, like, if you're going to play drums, it's loud. So, you know, to me, like, if you're going to have somebody do that, you got to be prepared that they're going to want to practice. So either buy, like, a, a, I want to say like a decent electronic kit if you if you hate the noise, but they need some way to be able to actually practice properly. And if yes. it's too loud, it's just going to frustrate them and then they're going to give up on it. And that's not, you know, I, I don't think that that's a good thing. But um, no, I, I think it's a, it's a great confidence builder or whatnot. But it's one of the biggest regrets I've got is I, I didn't practice enough. And uh, now I just... I just try to have fun with it because I think if I did anything else, I'd just be too frustrated. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So with the electronic kits, are they kind of similar to? Well, obviously they're not similar to a real kit, but do do they compare quite well? Do they feel kind of the same? Um. 
I think, well, I, I would say it, it'll never replace a real drum, yeah. but at the same time, the technology has really come quite far to me to where, you know, you can buy um, really good mesh heads that you can put on a, on a real acoustic kit that, that more or less gives you like, you know, almost no sound at all. And then you can trigger that up and you can wire that to a module. So, I mean, you can, you can have the same experience in terms of like, all of your heights and your setup and everything like that. And they make low volume symbols now. So, I mean, they're, mm. you know, they're actually metal symbols that have thousands of holes drilled in them. You know what I mean? So they're like, uh, like 70% quieter than like a regular symbol. So you mm. can get a lot of experience actually playing like electronic or practice type ki kits, um, yeah. certainly compared to like 20 and 30 years ago. But, you know, if you want to like say a really good high end rolling kit, you know, that's got like, wood shell a proper 20 inch bass drum and stuff like that. i mean you're going to spend like eight or ten thousand dollars to do that um, just for the electronic oh yeah for the kit you know so they're extremely expensive to get something that's half decent but even the lower end stuff is is coming up like a lot of it comes with mesh drum heads now and i mean that that really made a big difference because you're not playing on some you know like um like a mylar skin with a piece of foam underneath it. And then the transducers in the center. Yeah. So a lot of, so a lot of the, the shock and all of that is absorbed by the foam. So, you know, you get not very good rebound and things like that, but the technology's changed so much to where you can get a pretty decent, a pretty decent experience on a, on a electronic kit or, or hybrid kit for sure. Nowadays. That's a good way to train for sure. Yeah, yeah. Investing a lot of time and hopefully not annoying like uh, parents or neighbors yeah. or whatever. For sure, it is. I mean, but nothing beats playing on a real kit, you know, so you can bash yeah. out and be as loud as possible. <laughs> I mean, that's part of metal, too. It has to be chaotic and intense all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, for, for me, when I was a kid, right, my, my parents would go to work quite early. They'd leave at, like, something like 6 a.m., Yeah. And, and I'm always up early. So I'll be honest with you, I was up and I was practicing playing – well, I shouldn't say use the word practice, but I was playing drums before I went to school in the morning because nobody was home. So, awesome. yeah, so I'd play at like 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning. So I know my neighbors weren't overly happy, but uh, too bad. <laughs> hey, man, at least your parents got out of the house. I'm sure my parents were ready to kill me. I used to play <laughs> music at like 7.30 <laughs> in the morning before school. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, no, but they went to work. So, I mean, it was, uh, that's that's just what I did. That's awesome. Yep. Um, so now, before you came out with your first album, there, had, there was a bunch of, uh, there was a different direction for your band. It was clean vocals and stuff like that. What made you decide to move away from that? Well, yeah, I mean, that yeah, we had Daryl singing for us at that time, and I I think it's because the band didn't really have it didn't have direction. You know, like we we were trying to figure out who are we. You know, we had kind of you know my background musically, we had Charlie's background musically, we had Jeff's background musically. Um, Daryl was there. I mean, cause obviously we, we really wanted to have like an actual like vocalist yep. and, um, you know, at that point in time, uh, just really trying to merge everything. And, you know, Daryl was trying to push some of the clean vocals and some of the courses and stuff like that. And just, it's just not, not, not our, our thing. You know, that's just not what we really wanted for the music. We wanted the music to obviously always be, I, I, I guess as, you know, as, as brutal as possible and clean vocals, to us anyway don't necessarily mean brutal i mean yep. yeah yeah you know, there's a few records out there i won't won't diss any records but you know there's a few records that have clean vocal that doesn't necessarily work but anyway um you know so when we were kind of working on on the, the the record and stuff like that the first one it just was like it's just not working yeah. you know it's not going to work so we we just ultimately decided to part ways and um we we let daryl go really out of the band oh, fair enough well, yeah. we needed it, it needed to change because, yeah. like I said, I mean, we're really trying to figure out like who we are. I mean, you look at the, you know, the 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 EPs or the the stuff like that that was done because I had left the band for a little while. But you look at yep. the releases that were put out at that time, and I think it's still sound. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the production's good and stuff like that. I mean, I think the song. I mean, because I was involved in writing the the original versions of those songs, but. Um, it just still sounded like to me a band trying to figure out who who they are. I agree with that. Just from somebody who's listened to yeah. your albums a few times, um, yeah. it seems like the clean vocals wouldn't really match the rest of the music. I don't yeah, know if I, that's I, is kind well, of what you would thought too. Like, but. like, just take a like, listen to like "In the Wake of Pestilence," right? Like our first record. Where on earth in that record would you put clean vocal? You know, yeah. like there's nowhere. I mean, it's it's just a. I, I think it's a. I mean, I'm really proud of it. Um, but, you know, and it's it's a. 
it's a it's a pretty pretty fast record you know heavy uh, there's nowhere anywhere where clean vocal would work on that well and there's only two of you on this album too well on this current record yeah, yeah. but i mean at the time when we were when we did in the wake of pestilence i mean there were four of us in the band yeah you know what i mean but like if you had to say 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 daryl was in the band still well where, where would clean vocals have worked over those songs i mean there's no place where clean vocals would work exactly so how is it so we needed to change instead of four Oh, uh, working with two people's, uh, it's actually, well, I mean, it works a lot better. I can tell you because I mean, you know, simply you're, you just have to try to get an agreement between two people, which actually isn't that bad, especially yeah. where they're fairly like, I think like-minded, you know, similar goals, similar directions, want similar music style, like similar artwork. Um, you know, our, even though I'm, even though I'm older than Charlie, um, you know, I mean, we still have similar, I, I think similar visions in terms of, you know, the quality of the end product, the videos you want to put out, the packaging, like just all, all of that stuff, you know, that makes up the entire band. I mean, we're, we're pretty closely aligned on everything. Yeah. And then, you know, but then you throw a third person in, you know, who say, say 25 who doesn't really buy cds wants everything digital you know doesn't care about the lyrics doesn't care about i mean like it's just a completely different point of view and you know you try to balance that it it takes longer to get consensus and then you add a a fourth person in you know who's got their own ideas and anyway it's it it really is easier honestly right now i mean with uh with the two of us it works well decisions get made quickly and and um you know i mean I, i think we we both we both want to get stuff done. Um, Charlie is much more, I think the driver. I mean, I took longer to edit some of the stuff I, than I wanted to video wise and things, but uh, <laughs> you know, but I mean, but I, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't do this without Charlie. I mean, I mean, without him, there, there really, there's, I know there's no band. I mean, in terms of, because there's two of us, but even if there were three of us or four of us or five of us, I mean, without yeah. him, I mean, it, it would be an unbelievable loss, you know, to the band. I, I can't thank him enough for, for still wanting to do this and have been doing this after a decade and, you know, wanting to write more music and put out more stuff. I mean, I'm, I just consider myself privileged to, uh, you know, to be able to work with somebody who, who I just, I I respect and works hard and puts out incredible riffs, quick writes killer stuff. And um, honestly, I I just, like I said, can't uh, just happy to be able to do that with him. Well, you've been working with him now in a deformatory for about 10 years. And then before you had a previous band with him, correct? Well, no, actually not a previous band, but, uh, but the way it worked was, I mean, we kind of started the band. It, I mean, anyway, it formed where I used to live. Cause I mean, I, the original guitar player in the band, his name was Jeff and I've known him for like over 40 years. Yeah. And, um, anyway, so him and I started a band when he moved to Ottawa. Cause I used to play in a band that I started with him many, many, many years ago called Dichotic out in the East coast. Yeah. And, um, Anyway, so him and I started that band and we were looking for a guitar player and put up, you know, an online ad and Charlie applied to it and came over and jammed. And anyway, so Charlie kind of more or less joined in like 2009. But but I was the, the band was like unbelievable drama, like, you know, between oh. 20, uh, 2009, 2010, there were there was so much drama. It was just brutal. And, and I was kind of doing this like other I'd been doing this other band for like a decade. It was more like hard rock, yep. you know, type of band. And, and it was fun and stuff. But anyway, so I, I left the band over, over just some of the drama. It was ridiculous. And, um, I left for about a year or so and they got Jake to do drums and, you know, he did the, the, um, like in the prelude of, and all of these yep. other, like the EP stuff. So Jake did all that stuff. And, um, you know, but then, uh, at one point Jake, uh, left and, uh, they gave me a call cause they had the show booked with, uh, Cryptopsy which was really cool. Um, so they asked me to kind of fill in for the show. And yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, so I, I said, sure, I'll do the show. I mean, I no just, I, 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 you know, still loved all the guys and everything like that. It just, you know, just a lot of drama at the time. Yeah. So, so I uh, brought the kid over to the rehearsal space that they had set up over there. And then, um, yeah, I think we had like three rehearsals in order to do the show for Cryptopsy. So I think we practiced like a, like I think it was like maybe a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday, and played the show on the Saturday or something like that. Yeah, you know, and um, and then we did the show. It, it worked out extremely well. And uh, then they asked me if I if I would consider rejoining the band. And you know, I, it was cool. I, I'd hoped, 
I had hoped that one day, you know, I'd be able to go back and do it. Cause at that point I really missed doing like a death metal thing. Yeah. And, um, so it was awesome when the opportunity came back to do it. So of course I said, yes. And, uh, that was 2011. And then, you know, here we are a decade later and three albums later, one single on vinyl, we did the, uh, you know, plus we did the once upon the cross cover. So I think we put out some really good stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. And you, especially cause you got the tour with Cryptopsy. Yeah, not so much a tour, but I mean, at least play the show. Yeah. And I mean, like I've always, uh, I mean, you know, I, I love what those guys do. I, I, you know, I think they're they're fantastic people, fantastic musicians. So, I mean, I, I I'd seen Cryptopsy play live like a ton of times. I mean, I remember driving up to Montreal from from Dartmouth, you know, in order to see Whisper Supremacy when they they, yeah. they put that out. We saw them at Fafoon the night before they put out Whisper Supremacy was the first time I ever saw them. I got to meet Flo. I I was so nervous and blown away being able to because i mean man at that point in time to me like like cryptopsy was like just oh my god it was you know i enjoyed what they were doing as much as i like enjoyed you know injustice for all and yeah and seasons in the abyss and all that like back in at that point in time in my life and like just getting a chance to meet folk i mean obviously never met lars never met dave lombardo you know like to me it was like and i mean i lived in the east coast i mean like no bands ever toured there. The only other real, if you want to call it real, the only real death metal band at that point that I had seen was Entombed when they did the tour for Clandestine. They actually played in Halifax. Okay. And and I went and saw that show. But beyond that, no one ever really toured to the East Coast or played Nova Scotia. So for me, driving to Montreal to see uh, what I considered a real death metal band yeah. was an unbelievable experience, let alone to be able to meet Flo, shake his hand, and just say like, yeah, dude, I really like what you do. You know, <laughs> I mean, what, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I was just blown away by it. And I mean, I mean, he's a great guy, humble guy, phenomenal player, still is a phenomenal player. I mean, you know, I mean, he's a legend in in in, in the genre, you know. And I mean, I'm just happy yeah. that I've had the chance to see them a few times. And um, so for me, it was just awesome to be able to play the show and to open for those guys. That's cool. And how is the scene in Ottawa? Uh, I mean, maybe not now, of course, but yeah, I mean, obviously before COVID, I mean, I think the scene was really good. I mean, there was a lot of really good bands coming through. I mean, there's uh, promoters were bringing like all kinds of all kinds of bands here. I mean, I can't get over the the amount of bands that I've seen in, you know, in, in Ottawa since living here. Um, I'm hoping after COVID, of course, you know, that now that bars are starting to open back up and things that the scene will, will eventually start to build itself back up and, you know, bands start to tour again and and things like that. But, uh, no, the scene's really good. I mean, a lot of, a lot of great bands. We play with a lot of great bands. Um, yeah, I mean, no, the scene's, I think the scene's uh, pretty good. Have you been able to play any shows since things have been open? No, we haven't done anything. And I mean, plus with the two of us right now, I mean, we've really just been focusing on kind of getting the new music out there and getting the album out there and getting the name back out. Because I mean, we we more or less took like a five-year break, right? Yeah. Because we didn't really go from, you know, like Steamroll from Malediction directly into this, right? Yeah. We had, uh, you know, Malediction did did really well, um, got a lot of really positive response from it and things like that. And then we just kind of dropped off you know we did some member changes and 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 some things like that and you know we really needed to work on kind of getting the new music and we had a specific vision we weren't going to rush the vision we wanted to to be produced the right way sound the right way have the right artwork um and it it was going to take as long as it took and until we got the product we're happy with that's cool so do you guys have anything planned then for tours after this album drops um nothing right now i mean i think we would need to see how we would uh, address kind of you know whether it's second guitar player or bass player Mm -hmm. or something like that we'd have to figure that part of it out and i I don't think we don't think it'd be be too too difficult in order to figure that stuff out we haven't really looked at shows or anything right now and i mean plus i mean i've got a full-time career charlie's got a full-time career yeah um you know family and stuff like that so i think we just want to be strategic about it i mean you know and not not just go crazy and play like all these places and stuff like that. I think we got to kind of balance doing shows and we got to balance kind of the other aspects of our life. For sure. So one other thing I liked about your uh, release here is that you have your YouTube mini series called the second the void. Yep. Um, for the people listening, can you just give us a little description of that? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a multi-part, I think it's like 10 parts in total, um, where we kind of talk about, you know, the whole original history of the band, like the first three episodes are kind of just talking about the formation of the band, the different band members that we've had and, um, kind of the, the name change, right. I mentioned before, I mean, the band was originally to Alma Sock and, uh, yeah, anyway, there's some, 
wasn't a good name so we made the obviously made the change and and all of that but no so we talk about kind of the whole the history of the band and then we talk about um the the first two records so we talk about in the wake of pestilence we you know just talk about the writing of that and the and kind of the recording of it and and it was a lot of fun to put them all together because so much like archival footage and trying to find you know, like footage of like the very first show we played, like in 2009 at the Uqua and stuff like that. Like it was a lot of fun tracking down all that footage. Uh, it was a bit of hell putting it all together in an edit, but it was fun getting it and rewatching it. But um, yeah, so we talk about In the Pick of Pestilence, we talk about Malediction, and then we talk about the writing process for the, the newest record. Um, we have um, an artwork video that we go through with Paul, where we did an interview with him, where he talks about kind of, you know, the process of doing the art and different stuff like that. Um, then we talk about uh, the drum recording. We talk about the guitar recording, bass recording. We talk about vocals. So, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, um, yeah, we cover basically like the whole gamut of the band from the beginning, all the way through the whole process of the, of the, the new record until we put it out in 10 different parts. And you guys pretty much timed that with the release of your album, too. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. I mean, and it's always been kind of like that. I mean, we wanted to do like a documentary type of piece. Yeah. And uh, we broke it up into a number. Originally, it was going to be like, you know, one long thing. But then we broke it up into a number of different sections. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worked out um, quite well. I mean, I'm obviously happy with, with the way all of that stuff turned out. And uh, I think it's good content for people to check out, you know, if they don't know who the band are and, you know, want to learn some other stuff outside of like the videos or any of the, any of the playing stuff. I mean, you know, we, we talk about a lot of, a lot of different areas in, in, in that, uh, the DTV episode and, or episodes, I should say. And um, yeah, I think it turned out really well. It definitely brought a more personal feel to your music. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, I, again, really tried to just want to put, not not only not only more content but you know just really get um you know just a whole other aspect of the band out there you know not just not just the recording or or the the produced videos you know this way we can talk about the the concept and if we're going to talk about the artwork well why not bring the artist in in order to talk about you know the the artwork and what his thoughts were on on the artwork and you know kind of how he goes about doing his thing and um you know so i mean paul was fantastic to to, to do that interview with us and um, like I said, I mean, it's great to go through some of the other history and talk about some of the writing and recording processes for like the other records. Cause we didn't really do anything like that, you know, on the, on mm -hmm. the first two records. Um, and we didn't have as much of an organized approach with respect to the release, like we did on this one, you know, and that's like we were talking before we started this, you know, having like a, a whole organized vision yeah. uh, uh, around the release, you know, and, and that's why on this one, you know, it, it ticked all the boxes. We did, we did everything we wanted to do. You know, we want to do, um, like a multi-fold out CD package. Yep. Check. We did that. We want to do cassette check. Yeah. We did that. We want to do vinyl check. We did that. Want to do documentary. Yep. Check. We did that. We want to do music videos for, we're going to do music videos for every song on the record. There's one still we have to actually do, but we have stuff done for every other song, you know? Awesome. So, so we just wanted to put out a, a lot of content and, and um, part of that really is, you know, who we are and, and just kind of just really talk about the, the amount of time and effort that was put into it and hope people like it. That's really cool. What's your experience like with music videos? Um, well, I mean, this band was the first time really doing uh, music videos. So like the, the, the single that we did with the drone and all of that, I mean, that was yeah. actually, I'll be honest with you, I, I got, um, the only other music video I'd edited before that was I did the, I did the editing for the Once Upon the Cross video. And that was really my introduction into video editing. So, and, and, and it was pretty cool. So then it moved into, to the, the, the single when we shot that one. Um, but those were really my first experiences doing actual, actual music videos, like sync to, to music and, you know, like, it was it was challenging only because you know had to like figure out how to actually get everything to line up and you know not just have one static shot that you would sync to the music but you know yeah. every when i sh the once upon the cross video is about i think it's maybe like three minutes let's just say for sake of argument it's three minutes okay, okay. well every every second of that three minutes is a different video clip that i had to sync up to the music and all the video clips are all strobing. So they're all, we, we had this like ridiculous, something like 750 watt strobe light that Charlie bought. And it was blinding in, in the rehearsal room. Well, that's going crazy in the room while you're filming. So you're trying to have, have a strobed video, one second clip that you're trying to align your playing in that video to the song. 
sounds really easy. I don't know. No, I, <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, it took me about a whole weekend to just get like the, the rough cut done to it, but it was a lot of fun. Anyway, that was my introduction into video editing. And that was actually the first video that I had ever been in. So it, cool. it was a lot of fun. Uh, we enjoyed that. And then when we did the single, um, we had a lot of fun with that. A, a, a friend of mine from where I worked, his name's uh, Jaden Tout. Um, he uh, he builds uh, racing drones or these really high performance drones. Yeah. Um, he's a licensed drone flyer. He does some like phenomenal, phenomenal work. So him and a, a friend of his came out and uh, did all the drone work and footage and everything like that for the second video. And, and I mean, I think that that turned out really neat because the drone added a whole new dimension, you know, for, for shots and, and things like that. I mean, there's some really neat, uh, drone footage where you know certain points in the song the drone is actually dropping and hitting the hitting the bouncing off the ground and yeah. it's all doing it in time right like with with the with the music so it was a lot of fun to do that shoot and i mean that was only the second video that i did and we went crazy on this record with um multi 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 videos you know like we wanted every song to really have a video and um but uh no the more the more we do it the more comfortable i get and um this record, there's a came out on Monday. Actually, the the playthrough, the drum playthrough that I did for tra track two, um, you know, and um, and and that one, that was really the first real drum playthrough that I did. That was solely focused on myself. We had done some some other playthroughs as a band, you know, where there's like a portion of me and a portion of the other guys that were doing their thing for the track. Yeah. But this was the first one that was solely focused as an actual drum playthrough. And, um, that, that was a bit more challenging to play, to, to, to do just because what angles do you want to show and, and things like that. So it was a bit more challenging and took a lot more time to edit to where I was totally happy. And, you know, I mean, cause I watch a lot of drum playthroughs, so I read a lot of YouTube comments and stuff like that, you know, well, should it be one static camera, uh, you know, focused on your hands and just one on your feet or, you know, like, you know, or should it jump around like every couple seconds it's jumping and then people complain about that so it was hard trying to to find a balance between something that that i like that i thought was art like you know like an artistic thing yep. um but also that i think people would hopefully like and and want to watch you know and or whatnot and not you know yeah. dump on it too much so anyway it took a lot of time but um i think the more i do it the more comfortable i get with it and um yeah they've been going well they're a lot of fun to do well, there's probably a different feel uh, between a music video and a performance-based video, too. Oh, yeah, man. It, it's totally different. I mean, the, 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 while the music video stuff, I mean, especially if we're playing in the video, it's not as bad because, you, you know, you know, you know you're, you're only going to use, you know, a little clip here and a little clip here and a little clip yeah. here and whatnot, right? So it's you're not going, like, too crazy. But obviously, in an actual performance video, you know, there's a lot more emphasis placed on... Uh, playing it properly you know shots and, and different stuff like that because you're not gonna you know have like 50 filters on top of it and mm -hmm. color grade the crap out of it and i mean like you're, you're not going to do that you want it to be you know clear as possible for people to see you know what you're what you're doing so they're they're different different feel different you know different feel for sure to switch gears just a little bit who are some of your favorite brutal death metal bands um well i mean uh i like uh, for, for I guess for death metal, I mean, you know, I like I got I like a lot of I still like a lot of the bands I grew up to, you know. So yeah. like bands like Cryptopsy and Nile and Origin. I mean, I I, I like uh you know Beneath the Massacre. Um, there's just uh, those are that's a lot of kind of what what I'm listening to right now. But I mean, yeah. you know, growing up, I mean, you know, I like um, sinister i like i mean obituary i mean you know i know it's more slower or whatnot but cause of death i still think kills to this day yeah um leveling creation for sure i mean you know like their in cold blood record was really big for me uh, but same thing with retribution I mean, retribution was killer of course the usual like your suffocations and stuff like that but i mean i i like you know and then a little while ago i got way more into like like the the like the, the brutal slammy death you know so like epicardiectomy and stuff like that you know like just just real just just real brutal stuff. You know, I, I got into a lot of that kind of stuff, but I like, I like a lot of black metal too, you know? So, um, especially like mayhem and, and things like that, you know, I really, really, really like, and, um, I like the older behemoth stuff, more black and death and things like yeah. that. And even Vader kind of that, that more black and death metal and things like that. But yeah, that's kind of where I go. I mean, I know there's so, so many good bands out there, you know, and I mean, like I would say, I can't forget origin out of it. Cause I mean, again, what, you know, what, 
John does. I mean, I mean, he's pretty much the main reason I play like single bass drum to this day and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but uh, there's just so many good bands out there, you know, like I, I can't keep track. There's so many good bands, you know, like whether it's um, Hideous Divinity or, or there's just so many, so many good bands. Yeah. You know, and even collabs, so, really look at like that Demon Stealer, uh, last Demon Stealer record, you know, it's got so many different drummers that play on it, right? I mean, like there's just so many good musicians out there, you know? I think um, one thing I'm fortunate to have done is gone through the Spotify rabbit hole a few times and okay, found yeah. a lot of really cool bands. Yeah, uh, yeah. Except I can't find you on Spotify. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, we took it all off. We took it all off everything, you know. So no Apple Music, no Spotify, like no nothing. The only place to get the band, the only place to get the band is is Bandcamp. That's the only place. Fair because it just it just it just kept diluting it you know and, mm-hmm. and so in different places and and to be honest with you it didn't really make much of a difference because like you know we get point zero 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 seven cents or something like that you know for like yeah. a play so what why what did it matter if it was really there you know so to me if somebody searches for us they only have to go to one place they don't have to go to uh i guess a, a multitude of places in order to get the band it just made sense to kind of have everybody just go to to one location yeah, and you can stream all of your albums from your site. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Perfect. right. So, yeah, so we we just felt that it worked well. It was a better thing to you know just easier to manage it that way. And uh, yeah, I think some other bands have done that as well. They've kind of just taken all their stuff off kind of some of the other platforms. It just didn't make sense. And I think what Bandcamp does with like the Bandcamp Friday things and everything like that. I mean, seems to be you know really good for trying to support you know artists and things like that. And uh, so we we just want to put our support there. And that's when they reduce their commission for the artists, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty cool. I like yep. that. Yeah, no, so do I. I mean, you know, I think it's a great thing. Awesome. Yep. So you've been playing drums now for over 30 years. Um, yeah. Do you see yourself branching out to any other instruments or just sticking? No, with God, no. Are you kidding? I look at somebody who plays guitar, it's like, <laughs> uh, like notes and and like finger positions to like get notes and like you have to worry about what notes go together. I mean, all I have to do is take two pieces of wood and smash stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's so much easier. You know know what? Judging by your videos, I don't think it is, man. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't look uh, easy at all. I don't know, man. I I just, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how anybody plays guitar or anything like that. I I'd love to be able to play it, but I I just feel like it's one of those things. Like it's like learning a second language, right? Like, you know, the earlier you start in it, the the better, the better you just become, the more second nature it becomes. So like all these different positions, like on a guitar and all of that, I mean, it just, you just, it's second nature to, to people. Um, I, there's no way on earth I could do that at, at, at my age now. <laughs> I don't have that time or that patience and, <laughs> and th- there's just no way. So are you guys going to get started uh, on your writing of your next album yet? Or, uh, well, take yeah, a break actually, first? Uh, well, no, actually it's funny on this one. We, we, we've already got a bunch of material written for the next thing and we're, we're already working on, on the next thing, you know, so it'll, um, well, we'll have to see when it comes out, but I mean, we're, we're already heavily, heavily in, into the pre-production part of some, some, some new music already. It's, you know, we'll, we'll see what it turns into. I mean, we're really happy with it. It's obviously all in the same vein as like, you know, the newest record. Um, there's some, you know, there's some, I'm not going to say like newer influences or anything crazy like that, but I mean, but it's, it's us. It's definitely a, it's definitely in line with the current record in terms of like the, the musical style and things like that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're really, really happy with it, but yeah, we are heavily into pre-production of that stuff and um, we're going to be taking some next steps to, to more solidify it in a, in a, uh, we'll say a final recorded process probably later this year. So yeah, we're already working on the next stuff. And then once that's done, then we'll really start working on the next, we'll say what we'll call the next album. During one of your videos, you said that you guys like to move through your uh, your content pretty quickly, but you've been sitting on this stuff for quite some time, so I can just imagine the the craving being there a little bit more. Yeah, no, it, it, for sure, right? I mean, like when we like we talked earlier. I mean, when we when we, we well, when we were writing Malediction or even recording Malediction, we already had material for this new record already mm-hmm. written, and and that's again, it was typical of us. Even when we were doing in the wake of Pestilence, we had already had songs and and ideas that were going to be on Malediction. You know, just the, the they they really overlap one another because 
again, you know, the, the stuff just, it's, it's built through, through us just jamming in the rehearsal space, you know? So if we're jamming and, and something comes out that we really like, well then, yeah, I mean, we're going to keep that. And that's, that's an idea that will go into a, you know, into a future song. And then we just keep doing that. And, um, Again, that's how we did this one. That's how we wrote all the the other new material um, that we've got now. Again, same way, um, and those songs I think came together quite uh, quite quickly. Yeah. And um, so we're going to choose to not try and sit on this stuff for too long and try to get it out there. Fair enough. Yeah. Are you guys continuing on with your story then? Um. Yeah, I think we're going to have this one kind of be like a, a real the end of it like you know the conclusion yeah. of it well if we'll call it a conclusion it, it'll be the end of this one and then and then the, the next record after that we're, we're we'll we'll go on to something different that's pretty cool yeah yeah i think we'll we'll go on to something di- well we'll see really that's what we that's what we're saying right now but you know yeah. um but we think we'll, we'll kind of put an end to this one and and the next one we'll uh we'll we'll do something really different that sounds awesome man yep yep i look forward to hearing some more music but uh your album drops on September 3rd. So again, Bandcamp, YouTube, uh, where else can they find it? Um, well, those really are the main places, right? So to me, Perfect. if you want to pre-order, again, it comes out on the 3rd of September. Yep. Uh, you can go to Bandcamp. You can pre-order. We got all kinds of different packages up there. You know, from you can buy just the, the vinyl or the cassette or the CD individually. But also there's a whole bunch of different bundle packages with different T-shirts because the album's done like a chapter, right? So, I mean, there's three yep. different chapters. There's three different shirt designs. Well, actually, there's four because you can get the album cover shirt like the one I'm wearing right now. But, I mean, you can also get each of the individual chapter shirts um so there's there's lots of different merch up there so if you want to order it just go to the the band camp page for deformatory awesome thanks for coming on the show neil i appreciate uh, it man i i really appreciate the opportunity thank you so much and uh, I'm, I'm glad you're digging the new music we really appreciate your help and support i appreciate it as well and i will definitely uh, have you guys on again cool man yeah we look forward to it all right sounds good thank you very much thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on gyro nation metal please don't forget to like share and subscribe the podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.